Sox Weekly, the official weekly talk show covering all things White Sox baseball. Get the fireworks ready. White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Good afternoon and welcome into White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. My name is Connor McKnight and we've got you for the next hour here on White Sox Weekly. Plenty to do. A couple of White Sox stories to get to. Projections are out so we get to see what... Math thinks about a couple of the White Sox, every White Sox, coming into the 2018 season. We'll take a look at the 25-man roster because we are two days away from pitchers and catchers reporting to Glendale, three days away from the first workout. Position players get there on the 18th. That is next Sunday. And, of course, February 19th is the first full team workout. That's next Monday, just one White Sox weekly away the excitement is palpable. It'll be great to have some actual baseball right around the corner. And then we'll come back to understanding that it's just spring training and try and recalibrate things again. But that's the fun part. Before we blast off here, let me tell you this. Sox fans, it's never too early to lock in a 2018 ticket package. It may be too early to draw out 25-man rosters like we're going to do a little bit later on in the show. But it's never too early to go for a 2018 ticket package. Full and partial ticket plans are available including lower-level 10-game plans starting at $230. Take advantage of great benefits like discounted pricing and flexible payment plans. For more information, call 312-674-1000 or visit whitesocks.com. All right, let's get to uh, what we're up to on the show this afternoon. We got a couple of things, a couple of news items to get to, an addition to the White Sox coaching staff, a Hall of Fame-type addition, if you don't mind me saying so. I'll explain in just a few. Uh, an arbitration case came down for Yolmer Sanchez. He's not going anywhere, but he's certainly gotten a significant raise. We'll tell you how much in a little bit. A little bit of development with the, uh, the, the labor issue, all the free agents around baseball still. No, they haven't all signed with a team, but it does look like they'll all have a place for spring training, we'll get to that in a few. And a former White Sox has made his move and signed. We'll uh, brief you on what Derek Holland is up to in just a couple. As I mentioned, we've got the Pakoda projections. Baseball Prospectus puts these out every single winter, and they're a, they're a highlight of my winter, if only because it's more baseball content to consume in this dark and dreary, snow-filled apocalypse. Uh, so we'll get to those and, and tell you what they think. We'll also talk with James Fegan of The Athletic. He's got a good head for numbers. We'll get his take on those projections. And he's got a couple of write-ups, too, about the White Sox as they head down to spring training. We'll catch up with James and see what he thinks about these 2018 White Sox as we are two days from pitchers and catchers reporting. Here's our first news item of the afternoon. The White Sox on, what was this, back on Thursday, I guess. Yeah, Thursday named Dave Duncan as the organization-wide pitching consultant. I will read just a little bit here from the press release that the White Sox put out about Dave Duncan. Of course, you remember Duncan. Uh, if you've watched any baseball at all and paid attention to, to coaching staffs and talent and pitching evaluation, you know Dave Duncan, a pitching coach for 32 years. Uh, if you're in the you know middle-aged White Sox fan group, you'll remember him as the White Sox pitching coach from 1983 to 1986. He first broke in with Cleveland, then Seattle for a year. Uh, then it was the White Sox, then Oakland from 86 to 95, a couple of good ball clubs there, and then St. Louis from 1996 to 2011, certainly a handful of solid ball clubs there, including a, a World Series champion or two. 32 years as a pitching coach is the longest tenure in baseball history. Uh, Duncan's pitching stabs 
led its respective league in ERA four different times. He has four different Cy Young winners under his tutelage. Anyone remember one of them? Anybody? White Sox starter Lamar Hoyt, of course, in 1983. Bob Welch in Oakland, 1990. Dennis Eckersley in 92. And Chris Carpenter of the St. Louis Cardinals back in 2005. Three World Series wins with Tony Relusa. One in Oakland in 89, two in St. Louis, as we mentioned, 06 and 11. He's been in three more World Series. Uh, as, as far as, you know, reputation goes, as far as building things out, as far as you know, bringing pitchers along and, and establishing a system, Dave Duncan is incredibly well thought of. Don Cooper was reached for a quote or two uh, by Scott Merkin of MLB.com, and Coop essentially said, how, how could it hurt to have Dave Duncan in the organization and help spread around the knowledge here? Uh, it sounds like he's going to bounce around from place to place and look at video of pitchers and prospects uh, and look at you know, give feedback and all that kind of stuff to various coaches and members throughout the White Sox organization. So says the release here. It's, you know, listen, it, it's no secret to White Sox fans, I think, that the rebuild as it stands now, that the the acquisition of talent leaned a little bit heavy on the pitching side of things. I don't mean that to be to say it's a bad thing necessarily. There just happen to have been more arms gathered by the White Sox than perhaps bats at this point. Some of that's evened out a little bit with Luis Robert finally making it into a big league camp, though he will for sure play minor league baseball in this coming season. Uh, there are a few more bats on the way, no doubt. It's not as though it's a barren situation there. But when you look at Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez, Carson Fulmer even probably in the five-man rotation here, including Michael Kopech and Alec Hansen and Dane Dunning. The list goes on, uh, not to mention some of the other guys in AAA, Jordan Stevens, Guerrero, that kind of thing. There are a lot of arms that uh, that have promise in this White Sox organization, and to get the best out of them, the White Sox have decided to sign Dave Duncan up for the cause. So that's the latest piece of news for the White Sox there. Yolmer Sanchez has won his arbitration case. The first time the White Sox went to arbitration with a player in 17 seasons. Yolmer gets a raise up to $2.35 million. It's a big raise. Good for Yolmer. He'll be a bright and bouncy guy around the clubhouse like always, but a few extra dollars in your pocket doesn't hurt. He certainly earned uh, a raise, no doubt about it. He showed that he can be a major league average bat. And remember, we use average as a compliment in baseball. That's by no means a dig at Yolmer Sanchez. And who knows, perhaps that next step in his development could be 2018. It seems as though he's got every chance to start as the opening day third baseman, given matchups and given how the roster shakes out. Injuries, of course. God willing, everybody stays healthy. Uh, but Yolmer Sanchez gets himself a bump in pay uh, in expectation of a bump in PT this coming season after what was really really his first full season in 2017. In case you've forgotten, 2017 was 141 games for Yolmer Sanchez, though he did play 120 in 2015. So, you know, a little bit close, close. But let's call 17 his first full season, just so that I'm right on the show, I guess. Uh, four, 534 plate appearances, a 267 average, a 319 on base, and a 413 slugging percentage with pretty spectacular, well, pretty darn solid last two, two and a half months of the season. A free agent camp is reportedly going to open. Uh, Ken Rosenthal and a few others had this reported. Uh, you remember, we've been talking about this throughout the offseason, there are a number of quality free agents still left unsigned. Guys like you, Darvish. Guys like Eric Hosmer. Guys like Mike Moustakis. 
And that's going to make what we're going to do next in the next uh, after the break here a, a little bit goofy. Putting together projections for teams and finding out, you know, who's going to win what and how many is is a little bit tough to do given that there are so many talented players out there, so many impact players out there still yet to sign. That said, you know, those guys will add two, three, maybe four wins in, in pure war, how it equates to actual wins on the diamond. That's you know, a little bit more nebulous at this point. But, you know, there are quality ball players without jobs. To that effect, they're going to be somewhere, Bradenton, Florida, for spring training. They're going to put together, it sounds like, a free agent training camp, a free agent spring training, a place for people to, to come, perhaps scouts to get a look, perhaps teams to come negotiate, and you know to make sure that everybody's staying with the program. It would be very difficult, I imagine, maybe not for a, a top-tier free agent like a Darvish, uh, but it would be very difficult if you were maybe a middle-tier type guy or a guy looking at uh, at signing a deal that might make you a, the, potentially the 25th man on a roster come the end of spring training. If you're sitting there uh, with, or maybe even like a platoon outfield or something like that, if you're in that spot and still unsigned, it's going to be real hard to, to get yourself signed and back into a major league camp and, and there on an opening day roster without facing some kind of competition that's, darn close to major league quality over the next two months so a free agent camp it seems will open that's that's about it for details at this point uh if more come up of course we'll talk about it on the uh, on the next show but uh you know perhaps you know there are a couple of and one of the things we're going to do today is look at the 25 men roster for the white Sox, see how things might shake out but there are a couple of spots where maybe the white Sox could go shopping and pick up a, a middle of the tier kind of guy to see what he's got fill out the roster, make a spot, and perhaps uh, a guy you could make a move with later on. That's kind of been the White Sox M.O. the last year or so. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll get into the Pakota projections. Baseball Prospectus has them out. A couple of Vegas casinos have win totals for teams as well, so we'll compare what the betters, we'll compare what the Pakota lines are, and we'll do that uh, because it, it gives you, I don't know, something, a pulse, on on what other people are, are thinking about the AL Central. And I think I think you're gonna be surprised by a team or two in the AL Central. I think you're gonna raise an eyebrow at the White Sox win number. And we'll go through some of the individual players as well, the way they're gonna come to their predictions, or the way they have come to their predictions. But uh, we'll get you the information when we come back. I'm Connor McKnight. You've got White Sox Weekly and spring training, as we mentioned, is coming quick. You can join the Bulls Sox Youth Academy on President's Day, February 19th, for a fun three-hour baseball or basketball camp. If you're a two-sports star, you can make a day of it by having fun developing your skills in both sports. Camps are open to boys and girls ages 5 to 14. Call 630-PLAY-BALL or visit BullsSoxAcademy.com to register today. We'll talk with James Fegan after the 1230 News. Pakota Projections is coming up next. I'm Connor McKnight, White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. So welcome back to WLS AM 890. This is White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. As we promised before the break, we've got Pakota Projections to follow up on. A lot of P's in that, and it's harder for me than for you, but that's where we're headed. Quick thing to tell you before we get things rolling on the math of the White Sox in 2018, and I promise I'm going to make it more fun than your average math class. White Sox games are better with a group. Group events are perfect for clients, employees, celebrating or fundraising. You can bring your group of 10 or more for a great experience with specially priced tickets. It's never too early to start planning 2018. 
For more information, call 312-674-6330 or visit whitesocks.com. All right, so the Picota projections, and I know we've talked about this a bit in each of the last two off-seasons since we've been doing White Sox Weekly here, but for those of you who are just kind of tuning in or perhaps swept up by the White Sox optimism and the youth movement and the potential to be a pretty darn good baseball team in the coming few years, it's an unbiased algorithm. It's a system of projection math that takes past performance and age curves and similar similar players and dumps it all into something that's much smarter than anything I could probably come up with and spits out some ideas of what ballplayers are going to put up in the coming season. They square that together with runs scored and runs allowed. You can come up with a you can come up with a projected win-loss total. They do this for all 30 teams and they put them in order in division. I, I toyed with going back and forth when giving a couple of individual projections and, and kind of let's talk about the players from a, a granular aspect and then get a little bit bigger and then tell you what the White Sox are projected to do. But these have been out for a couple of days already, so there's really no point in holding back the good stuff. Picota has the White Sox projected as a 73-89 and 89 team in 2018. 73-89. and 89. I, I don't know where that falls in your personal expectations you know I, I don't know exactly if that makes you go eh, okay that's about what i figured you got a lot of guys looking to grow looking to prove it uh, a lot of guys where there could be some flux down at the bottom of the roster or in the back of the bullpen a lot, a lot of places where sure there are some some potential game-changing talent on the white Sox, but there's some growth yet to have uh, there's a couple of growing pains i guess to work out maybe you're much more optimistic i a couple of people, uh, friends of mine and, and guys who have watched the game for a long time, wouldn't put it past the White Sox of, of really surprising in this coming season. Not necessarily to a you know challenge for a wild card type spot, but really putting up some good baseball and really having some performances by individual players that really start to raise your eyebrows some. So I don't know where you fall on that spectrum. I don't know if you're you're on the one side or the other. Um, but Picota, I, I think, is kind of on the... I guess if you were to take those two sides, right, those are eh, a lot of growing pains, good talent, a lot of growing pains, we'll see what happens in 2018, versus this team could be pretty good. They got a lot of youth, they're ready to prove it, they got a lot of talent. It seems to me, it feels to me that Pakoda is, if you were to pick the middle point of those two things, just slightly less optimistic than what the middle point might be at 73 and 89. Taking a look at some of the individual project projections is is perhaps why I think uh, it's a little slightly under middle, I guess, slightly lower than a than a than a middling kind of split of the road idea. But here's where the rest of the division kind of stacks up, and I'll, I'll pair this into as well uh, some of the some of the Vegas odds, I guess, or the win totals that they released. A couple of places have released over the last week or two. Pakota has the Kansas City Royals as a 66 and 96 team. The Detroit Tigers, 68 win ball club, 94 losses. The White Sox are tagged to finish third in the division, 73 and 89, like we talked about. They've got the Twins as an even 500 ball club, 81 and 81. And the Cleveland Indians are a 97 win team, 65 losses. Why play the games, right? We've got it all set on paper. Of course, that's not how it works. There's error bars on either side of things. And It'll be really interesting to see exactly what side of the projections the White Sox on end up on. They have surprised in the past, both good and bad. A lot of teams have. The um, The division itself is, it kind of makes sense, right? The, the Twins have 
gone out and, and tried to add a couple of pieces after a season where they, they'd sprung back to relevance and toward the postseason. The, the Cleveland Indians are as good a team as you can find in the American League, I think. There are holes perhaps in that outfield that you know make you a little wary of whether they're going to be able to turn things around and do it again. And the pitching is, well, as it, as it does every year, gets a little bit older. But that's where Pakota has the division stacking up. As far as if you were to look to Vegas, if you look to the betters, you know where you've got to hedge some money. And I just I find this fun. I'm not saying go out put your money on anybody. Probably don't. Betting is a terrible way to make a living, or at least depend on it. More than likely, unless you're really good at it, and then maybe do it. Now the, the Vegas numbers look a little bit more like this. They've got, they've got the Indians at a 93 and a half, Minnesota at 82 and a half, White Sox at 68 and a half. Same with the Tigers. And the Royals are at 76 and a half. They're a little bit more optimistic about the Royals. A lot of that has to do with who's going to bet it and how. So, you know, don't don't quite literally take that to the bank. But for what it's worth, there's the disparity between what, uh, and I'm, I'm sure Vegas is using just as much math, if not more, as the folks over at Baseball Prospectus. Uh, but those are just kind of the two sides, I guess, of one coin. As for individual projections, I can tell you this, and I don't want to go through the entire White Sox roster because we'll do some of that throughout spring training and throughout the next couple of weeks as we, uh, before we get into games. Um, but they've got Jose Abreu tagged for a pretty decent season, 3.1 wins above replacement player, um, 289 average, 30 bombs, 29 technically. Uh, they've got Wellington Castillo tagged for a pretty decent year. No, no I take that back. Sorry, I was reading the, the wrong line. Wellington Castillo tagged for a, a bit of a downslide. A 247 average, a 310 on base, something like that. Wins above replacement player at, at a .9. Yohan Mankata for a 2.1 player. Some of that has to do with defense, you'd imagine, uh, because the average, they've still got pegged at 233 on base at 330. We've seen those skills pretty markedly so in the in his time with the White Sox uniform, slugging 410. Yomer Sanchez, Tim Anderson, Lurie Garcia, all right around the 0 to .5 range. The White Sox lone all-star of last year, Avi Garcia, tagged for a 1.6 season, a 275 batting average, 329 on base, 427 slugging. And I got to tell you, of, of the guys that are really intriguing to me from these projection standpoints, there are there are three of them, and it won't necessarily surprise, I think, uh, who I've, I, I was kind of the most intrigued to see these numbers for. Not Jose Abreu, established veteran. I think you kind of understand where his – career track has been how things may go injuries aside I, I have a lot of faith there i think wellington castillo while he's definitely come off a, a prime offensive season is is poised to stay there for at least a little bit i was mostly intrigued by where pakota said yoan mancata tim anderson and avi garcia would fall in this coming year you know avi's an interesting case and we'll talk a bit with james fegan of the athletic uh, about avi and about these projections too just after the news here at 12 30 but you know, with Avi's handful of years of, of subpar play and then last year's brilliant 2017 campaign, an all-star year, uh, one where he was one of the best hitters average-wise in baseball and had a good amount of pop and a great on base and cut a strikeout rate by a ton, 275, 330, 427 would be a really great season for Avi Garcia at any point prior to prior to 2017, I dare say. You know, after this one, that might seem a little deflating, but I think, you know, overall, you know, when you paint the whole picture of, of Avi's career up to this point, you can live with that kind of production. We'll see if, if he's got a lot more to say about it. You can actually check out a, a good article 
on WLSAM.com slash White Sox. It's Kat Garcia's latest article about these projections, and she talks a bit about the changes Avi made last year and, and why and how those might hold up. And then Yohan Mankata, too, obviously, you know, coming into his first full big league season this next year, this coming year, uh, where does the average round up? How does the power number kind of play against against major league average, against second baseman, for that matter? Pakoda thinks he can hit 20 bombs. I know you think he can do that, too. I, I, think, I think a lot of people would figure Yohan Mankata, especially once he gets towards his age 25, age 26 seasons, to hit even more than that with the skills he's got, with the power he's got. But those were the guys I was, I was most interested in. And we'll get into the pitchers um, after we've talked with James Fegan here after the 1230 News. Want to get into the construction of this 25-man roster as well. Why not? We haven't even started camp yet, but let's take a look a little bit at how the White Sox might break camp in about a month and a half. We've got the time. We might as well spend it. We'll be back real quickly after the news. I'm Connor McKnight. This is WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. You can join us in Glendale, Arizona for White Sox spring training. Single game tickets for the 2018 Cactus League season at Camelback Ranch are on sale now and start at just $10. To purchase tickets online, visit whitesox.com slash spring training slash spring. Good Lord. Visit whitesocks.com slash spring or camelbackranchbaseball.com. You can also call 1-800-352-0212. The man snickering in the background is James Fegan of The Athletic, and he's not laughing at me. He's laughing because he has a season pass to spring training games. James, how you doing, man? Zach got picked up on radio, I guess. Yeah, maybe here or there. You know, you're going to be fine, though. We can edit that out in post. How are you? Good to talk to you, as always. How was your uh, your post Soxfest melange? Um, it's great. I love, you know, being able to get some reps in, shoveling my car out before mm. spring training starts. Mm-hmm. That's going to be useful in Arizona. You know, the, the dust really piles up. So sure. Shove, those shoveling muscles going is, is always awesome. That's a cardio test, if nothing else. Uh, we have celebrated Picota Day here on the show earlier. We have, uh, we will go through some of the bold predictions, some of them fun and some of them crazy, uh, that you wrote about on The Athletic. But I wanted to first ask about Dave Duncan. You tweeted a bit about it after the White Sox made a release uh, on Thursday that they've announced Dave Duncan is kind of the new, I don't know, is it is it easy enough to say or is it old terminology to say he's the new roving guy for the White Sox? He just happens to have what could be a Hall of Fame type pitching coach career. I don't know how much he's going to be roving. It sure. sounds like they're going to have him watching a lot of video. I mean, he's 72. I don't think they're going to be bouncing him all off the coast of North Carolina like uh, willy-nilly. Right. It's kind of another guy to have eyes on the prospects and kind of give his thoughts to someone who kind of has the legendary profile of him, who was just revered as the best pitching coach in the game for much of the 30 years that he was a major league pitching coach, including four years here. Just having his eyes and watching video, that's valuable. I don't think he'd quite probably replace all the functions of a roving instructor goes out and does as much one-on-one work as you might expect there. Sure. But – it's kind of like, why would you not have Dave Duncan's brain in the White Sox front office? Why would that be a bad thing to have? Yeah, I mean, in the age of Netflix, we can do everything from our couches. So I suppose Dave Duncan's earned the right to do exactly that, though I'm, I'm sure it'll be a lot more intense. What do you get the sense of, do, do the White Sox do this? I guess this is an incredibly loaded question, but do the White Sox do this if their reload isn't heavily tilted toward pitchers at this point? I would think it'd be beneficial to do this no matter what 
definitely having so many young pitchers, having so many uh, guys who are big stuff, questions about the delivery, questions about whether they'll stick in the rotation, questions about you know their command, it makes it all the more valuable to have someone like this. It's really – they're not – drafting a bunch of low ceiling college guys who have everything that they're uh, doing delivery wise already set and they're not going to do my changes to them. It's about a bunch of guys who have mile high ceilings like Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech, if you can stabilize them. So it makes it more valuable. I don't know if they necessarily wouldn't do it. Otherwise it's kind of interesting because the White Sox are a kind of notoriously old school organization that doesn't really embrace video scouting the way, like say the Houston Astros might where they remove scouts and just watch video from their, you know, front office. Right. But the fact that they're willing to brace this for Duncan kind of shows how much they respect him and how much they are willing to accommodate him just because the reputation that he has. So you wrote a little bit about uh, the Pakota projections asking whether the White Sox, uh, the headline is, could the White Sox surprise in 2018? Sure, but it's a bit too early. Uh, I think you know, the, the overwhelming feedback that I got from, from Sox fans here on the show in the few weeks after the season wrapped up last year was a lot of optimism. That optimism carried through into SoxFest, and I think a lot of that optimism obviously still exists and might even be growing at this point. I don't think, and we talked about it earlier in the show uh, before you were on, but I I wouldn't necessarily say that Pakoda is a wet blanket for the White Sox and their development, but it might be for the win total, and I wonder if you think that's totally cool the same way I kind of think that's totally cool. Pakoda is probably one of the slightly friendlier projections that I've seen of the White Sox so far. I've seen multiple to have them below 70 wins. Yeah. Beamer on Fangrass has them as pretty much the worst team in the league with a just abhorrent pitching uh, projection for them. And that kind of lines up with what I'd say that the pitching staff that you really want to see from the White Sox uh, going forward is probably not going to be quite ready this year. It's probably going to be a lot more, you know, developmental innings for – Giolito and Lopez, who aren't quite where they want to be. It's going to be Michael Kopech's rookie year. It's probably not going to be the one that we look back on on his career, uh, hopefully, as his best one. It's going to be uh, you know a lot of veterans who are kind of filling time. So I think the bulk of the projections are kind of just kind of reflecting that. At the same time, I could give you a reason on everyone down the roster uh, why they're, they're beating the projections because, you know, I'm just you know so good on the White Sox. That's why you have me on here. But, you know, Adam Engel probably has, you know, awful offensive projections because he hit, you know, 160 last year. Adam Engel would tell you that he's changed his swing and he's changed his entire approach. And, you know, if that works, that clicks, you know, it could be a totally different guy. You know, Mankata is going to have bad statistics because he was brought up super early for Boston and that kind of poisoned the well for his career numbers. And, you know, he struggled for the first month he was up here, but he's a guy with insane physical tools and he kind of figured out in September if he never looks back from that kind of developmental stuff he took, then he's not going to look anything like his previous year statistics. Avisel Garcia blew away his career numbers last year. You know, a conservative projection engine is still going to factor in the first four years of his career. But if he's just the guy from last year going forward, then those numbers aren't going to mean much. So there's reasons we could go up and down the ladder why they would be better, but, you know, Pakota also factors in what could go wrong. It could factor in Lucas Giulio taking a step back. It could factor in Jose Abreu getting hurt or hitting like more like 2016 again. It has to be conservative like that. And we have to think about the fact that, you know, things are not going to go right over the course of the year. And, you know, the, the mean of that is going to be something in the 70 win range. Yeah, you know, I go back to I go back to the end of last season. You know, the last two months after the final trade was made, it, well, really after the bullpen was was finally you know kind of taken apart the way it ended up being, and 
you know, you saw some decent starts to games. You saw some games where the White Sox that the White Sox were in, but you know, more or less, Ricky was Ricky Renneria was throwing out pitchers in that in those late innings that just hadn't been there before. And whether it was a lack of experience or talent that jumped up and bit you every now and again, you had some interesting ball players playing some interesting baseball, and then a bullpen that kind of kind of sabotaged some results. I guess I don't know if I look at this, the bullpen the same way at this point. I, I think it's in the middle of. I think it's very close to being a capable bullpen. I wonder if you think that that's perhaps where some of those, you know, the 65 to 68 win projections bump up and, and bite, or if there are more core issues that, that some of the projection systems are taking a look at here. I mean, I think that could certainly be it. I kind of look at the bullpen and think more it could be. You know, the bullpen projection, uh, projection system is going to reflect the fact that Nate Jones missed almost all of last year right. and that he missed uh, all of 2015 or whatever. It's going to reflect the fact that uh, Xavier Cedeno, the, the guy who might wind up being, you know, your lefty specialist out of the bullpen, basically missed all of last year. And it's going to project to not take up that many innings. So it can't really, uh, you know, the best case scenario is those guys are healthy and productive and they kind of make the bullpen look a lot better than it would be in the projection systems. But they really can't assume that based on their, their history. And that's something we should also consider when we're projecting it. We can't just assume everyone's going to be healthy. We can't just assume that the starting nine that we put out there um, in our minds is going to be there the full season. We have to factor in how much the you know backups that maybe we're not as much in love with could right. really weigh, weigh in. How do you think some of those backups shake up? We're going to talk a little bit about the 25-man roster after we hang up. Uh, I, I just wonder if you think that there are – that there are as many open camp battles as perhaps some have, have theorized, do you think that because of that inexperience in the rotation and perhaps at the back end of that bullpen that you know, you're looking at 13 pitchers? I know it's ridiculously early to answer any of the questions, but that's what you do two days before pitchers and catchers report. Um, I always thought that Lurie, especially now these they're kind of putting him back towards the super utility role. Yeah. Always gives you the potential to carry an extra pitcher because when you're, when you're putting out your reserves, you need an infielder who can man shortstop if you need be, and you right. need someone who can play center field if need be. Um, Lurie can do both those things, and that kind of takes away one bench player that you absolutely need for depth purposes. I think it'd probably be more interesting to carry a guy like Ryan Cordell or carry a uh, Daniel Palka off the bench uh, for, as a lefty bat than uh, to carry another reliever, but I'm not Rick Renneria, and I'm not sweating out the seventh and eighth <laughs> inning oh, six days a week. So it, it depends on what's more prudent for him. I kind of see the main positional battles at center field because you have Engel, who was great there defensively but struggled uh, with the bat. You have Leary, who's you know kind of a very solid all-around guy, but you know you see him as more utility type. And you have Charlie Tilson, who was the number one center fielder on the depth chart at this time last year, but right. has, you know not played a game. So that's one thing they have to figure out. Um, whether or not they're going to carry kind of like Cordell or Palka or someone to kind of mix in with that corner outfield or uh, DH with pairing Pat Davidson would be another thing to figure out. Whether they're going to carry Saladino as their extra utility infielder and basically the backup catcher uh, race between Narvaez and Kevin Smith. I would think Narvaez is the natural platoon partner for Wellington Castillo. Sure, lefty righty. an edge. They both have options reigning, so you're not losing one of them forever if you send someone down to AAA. And then the last uh, thing to sort out would be the bullpen, where I would think minor league free agents like Cedeno or Jen Mark Gomez or Bruce Rondon, if anyone sees promise, you want to carry them to start the season because otherwise you're going to lose them, whereas you can option Aaron Bummer. You can option 
Chase Fry and not worry about losing him forever. You can even option Juan Manai or Gregory Infante as good as they were down the stretch last year. Yeah, you really could. Uh, it's nice to have the options available to you. I wonder, James, as we let you go, uh, which of your esteemed athletic coworkers? Uh, I, I know the athletic just bumped up staff over the last month or so, getting ready for spring training. Which one of you is is assigned to the Bradenton free agent spring training camp? Do you have somebody? I mean, Dan Hayes is covering the Twins in Florida. You should be able to just roll. Yeah, just there. okay. Hop on down. That's probably a decent idea. I guess I'll I'll give Dan a text and see if he's in for that kind of thing. I'm sure. Ken Rosenthal would be going down there if uh, any of Scott Boris's clients were going, but it seems like that's not going to be the case. I mean, I don't know. Ken, Ken, Ken's a jet setter. You never know where he is. That's true. That's very true. And a, a talented dude who's going to be all over the place. Uh, so is James. Appreciate it as always, my friend. We will see you in a couple of weeks. All right. That's James Fegan of The Athletic, and you can give the perfect gift for the biggest Sox fan in your life during the Fan Experience Sale. Experiences include on-field access during batting practice, change the base, and more. All experiences include game tickets and VIP perks. For more information, call 312-674-5396 or email Experience at whitesox.mlb.com today. I'm Connor McKnight. We'll wrap up White Sox Weekly when we come back and dive into a way too early analysis of the 25-man roster that may or may not break camp at the end of spring training. You got WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight wrapping things up. Last couple of minutes here on the show. Say real quickly that there is no better way to watch a White Sox game than in premium seating. The Chicago White Sox offer all-inclusive club areas, private suites in the best locations and accommodations. They got the perfect option for two people or the whole office. For more information, call 312-674-6330 or visit whitesox.com. A uh, couple of things I want to do before we wrap it up here. We've got the rest of the Pakota projections to get to. We did some of the hitters. Want to move into some of the pitchers. We didn't quite get there. We just talked with James Fegan of The Athletic here on the show. Uh, in case you missed any of our interviews or just want to go back and listen to any of the shows, they're all podcast on WLSAM.com slash White Sox. You can check out all the shows there, download them, listen to them over and over and over again. Uh, we talked a lot with James uh, about the addition of Dave Duncan to the White Sox pitching organization, to the culture, I guess, of, of, of White Sox pitching. Duncan, a 32-year guy, he's been in the game forever and brings a lot of knowledge to the organization. It'd be really interesting to see how how that kind of expertise melds with other solid pitching coaches that you've already got in this organization, whether it's Richard Dotson at Double A or Matt Zaleski at at High A, uh, whether that's Steve McCaddy at Triple A, or obviously Don Cooper, who's been doing this for a long time at the major league level. There are a lot. Really bright minds influencing the young pitchers. Uh, and as we get to those projections here in the Pakota part of the show, I figure we might as well just kind of mention that that's a, a big piece of what we talked about with James Fegan of The Athletic just a couple of minutes ago. You can find that on the podcast. We'll also get into the 25-man roster just a bit. I, I, I find it somewhat interesting. I know we talked some with James about it, but I, I want to wrap things up with, with thinking about where we might be come March 29th. As for Pakoda, just to wrap things up a bit, uh, and a lot of this has to do with uh, especially pitcher projections, I think maybe a little bit more than than the hitters, though obviously playing time is a big factor, whether you're throwing it or hitting it. Uh, but but innings projected to pitch is, is something you really can't quite tell a computer all that well. 
Um, Carlos Rodon is slated for Pakota to throw 131 innings. It'll be very interesting. I think one of the biggest things of the season is going to be, you know, obviously the development of the young kids, right? The the Giolito, uh, Ronaldo Lopez, of Carson Fulmer, of Aaron Bummer. I'm just just thinking of pitchers at this point. Obviously, all the young hitters factor in as well. When and if Michael Kopech comes comes up and throws, but I think a big part is also Carlos Rodon getting back on track, right? Getting back to the guy that that had the draft hype, that had seven starts last season with a, a minuscule ERA and a whole boatload of strikeouts. They figure him, Pakota does, is a 2.3 warp player, uh, 3.7, call it 3.7 ERA, 145 strikeouts in 131 innings. Uh, James Shields, the Wiley vet, tagged for uh, about a 5.5 ERA. Lucas Giolito is the interesting one here, 160 innings. And 163 strikeouts. I mentioned the article that you should go read on WLSAM.com slash White Sox, written by Kat Garcia. She pointed out, and, and this kind of stuck out to me as well, that you know these numbers have Lucas Giolito fit for about a strikeout per inning. Lucas, I would imagine, when he gets up to speed, is going to be good for a lot more than a strikeout per inning. I, I got to imagine, too, that... You know, as he starts to reshape, we talked with Lucas at the end of SoxFest a couple of weekends ago, and he talked a lot about how the pitch mix is going to end up changing around for him, how he plans on adapting that curveball, throwing it with more confidence, throwing it maybe more often, throwing it for both called strikes and swinging strikes. That's going to be a real, he is going to be a very interesting cat to watch in 2018. So is Reynaldo Lopez, who, by the way, they have for, Tagged for 108 innings and 109 strikeouts, so one four whip, something about that range. Uh, yeah, I, I would be surprised. I, I would not be surprised if he went over that number of innings. I, I think, you know, assuming everybody stays healthy, and this is kind of what you have to do. Assuming everybody stays healthy, uh, you you would imagine that they're both Giolito and Lopez going to get as many starts as as they can possibly throw at them, right? Whether they stay long in those starts is another question altogether, right? You could see some five and fly for Giolito and Lopez if the pitch counts get up, if the situation, you know, demands that we've we've seen what we can see out of these two guys. Let's let's get them back into the dugout before you know things go wonky. Let's hand it out to let's hand innings off to a, a bullpen that's going to be well. I have a few more veterans in it than it did at the end of last year, to be sure. Joaquin Soria figures for another decent year, according to Picota. Of course, he changed, his, uh, he changed his velocity quite a bit last season. Nate Jones, too. Uh, Carson Fulmer is an interesting one. Carson is not pegged to have a great season per Picota, but I don't think they've got him figured to, to start that much either, 18 starts. And I think that's the number that you look, that you look at and, and wonder. Does he? Do the White Sox have 18 starts for Carson Fulmer? Is... That rotation, assuming Carlos Rod- or assuming we don't know about Carlos Rodon, how do you fit Carson Fulmer onto this team? It certainly seems at this point that he'll be part of the five-man rotation. Uh, that's that'll remain to be seen come spring training. That gets us a little bit to the twenty-five-man roster that I wanted to kind of wrap up here, as we've got a minute or two left. I I think the the rotation, as we talked about, is set. You've got your Shields, Gonzalez, Gilito, and Lopez. Um, your bullpen, I think your one through six, your top six guys in the bullpen is are fairly set as well. 
Joaquim Soria, Luis Avilan, who was just picked up, Nate Jones, Omar Infante, Juan Manaya, Danny Farquhar, all figure to be guys throwing innings there. But there are options, right? We, we talked with James about this just before, uh, just after the news. Some of those guys have options. Infante, one of them. Manaya, too. So guys like Aaron Bummer or Dylan Covey or Jace Fry, also with options, along with those three names we mentioned before, could be supplanted by a, a couple of non-roster guys that they've added, a couple of minor league deals that they've added, like Xavier Cedeno or Jean-Marc Gomez, maybe even Rob Scahill. Chris Beck and Tyler Danish, though, you know, they were bounced off the 40-man roster, have invites to camp, and you know, could, with a real strong spring, push themselves onto the back end of a bullpen. We, we saw something similar happen with Tommy Canely, and, and certainly while no one can project that kind of success on anybody, we've seen it happen before. I think the interesting part is going to be how many pitchers they carry, obviously, and whether or not... Somebody fun like a Casey Gillespie or perhaps a Daniel Palka or or whether it's Adam Engel or Charlie Tilson or even Ryan Cordell figure to be that fifth man, the twenty-fifth man rather, on the roster and whether there whether there's something creative there that Ricky Renteria is able to do. Uh, and, and I think it will be, you know, I think it will be Willington Castillo and Omar Narvaez, lefty righty platoon there, and, and Kevin Smith, who has an option left, may indeed be headed for triple A and you couldn't ask for a, a better guy, a more capable guy to come up should something happen to one of your catchers. But kind of tough luck is, as Wellington Castillo was available and the White Sox figured that they could make the team better, make the pitching staff better, make the offense a bit better with Wellington. That's going to do it for us here on White Sox Weekly this afternoon. Thanks so much for listening. Appreciate it as always. We will be back next week with plenty more. Connor McKnight, thanks for listening. Have a wonderful Sunday.